Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. On Monday the 19th of July 2021, we announced the winners of the third annual Cambridge Social Innovation Prize, awarded by Trinity Hall and the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. The prize is given to social entrepreneurs who have demonstrated social impact through their ventures and who are bubbling over with ambitious plans for the future. Each winner receives a £10,000 cash prize to be used for their personal and professional development. They are also mentored by our Cambridge Social Ventures team. Winner Lisa Stepanovich is the founder and CEO of Social Arc. Social Arc's an organisation in East London that supports young people from working class backgrounds to use their lived experiences to lead the change they want to see. And we use the social enterprise business model to do that. And we run structured learning programmes, teaching the nuts and bolts of starting a business. We provide expert mentoring and a continued wraparound support with business issues, but also personal issues. So a young person might come to us with wealth of ideas and passion and brilliance. But if they're weighed down with personal baggage and stuff like that, that's definitely going to hold them back. So we help them with that baggage, whether that be housing, whether that be debt or or whatever situation it could be. It could be childcare, um, whatever situation it could be. We support them to deal with those challenges. They thrive in their businesses. And we've also created the Social Arc family. So young people that have been through our programmes, dedicated mentors, volunteers and supporters are all part of this collective. And I know a lot of organisations say, yeah, we've created a family, but we really have. I mean, there's calls outside of ours. Our, our mentors just jump in and react and respond straight away. There's not like we don't have to jump through hoops and do lots of like consultation. We just crack on and do that. That's our approach to ensure that young people are fully supported with, with what they want to do and to take it forward. And actually, the social art family is at the core of everything we do. Why is it so important that East London has an organisation like Social Arc? Listen, East London's changing, right? Gentrification has brought a wealth of business, a wealth of opportunity, but it's also made the people within those working class communities feel very excluded and feel feel that they don't belong in their own space. And there are organisations that we, East London attracts entrepreneurs or social entrepreneurs from all over England, all wanting to come fix and cure our toughest problems, use their obviously academic backgrounds and their more privileged backgrounds and educational backgrounds to believe that they can they can fix us. But actually, you know what, when social arts needed, because we don't need to be fixed and cured by people that have never walked a day in our shoes. Gatekeepers, other organisations are traditionally favouring these people that are coming in. Um, and we've got nothing against them. We're happy to work beside them and to learn together. But where where we are really welcoming, and we want to work with people, expand our networks. We find that we're being shut out by those people and by those organisations that are supporting these people. So we're needed to level up that playing field a bit. We're needed to make sure that people with the lived experience of the inequalities that we're all seeking to change are at the forefront of that change. Um, so that's why we're needed. So what is it then that makes Social Arc a social enterprise? I mean, we support local change makers to be 
to be the change that they want to see. And people might say, oh, that's a bit cliche, that's a tagline, but it really isn't. I mean, also part of our business model involves employing our own beneficiaries who then go on to support aspects of our programme. Together we co-design external programs and workshops to deliver back to corporates and other organizations um, and that's what we do and co-delivery co-design is embedded in everything we do and we take that into our business model to deliver services externally so how did it come into being then so how did it come into being we saw a gap in the market as i said um just now for a relatable program of support for young people from working class backgrounds. I think traditionally people create projects, oh, I'll create something for people from under-resourced or deprived backgrounds. We'll create, and pretty much I've had to deal with just, it doesn't matter if they're not experts facilitating it. There's a presumption they won't know any wiser. There's a presumption that it's okay to just bring in mediocre facilitators and um, yeah, and just deliver something. And basically people winging it, right? And it's in our communities, we've found a lot of that. A lot of people set up stuff. You've got housing associations. I set up a social enterprise program. No one on their staff actually understands it. No one on their staff actually understands how to to really reach the uh, people that they want to get on these programs and then actually what to deliver, right? They'll Google some stuff, they'll go online, they'll maybe look at some other people's programs and think they can do it and they're winging it. And that that's really like, it's giving our, our young people and our communities a really like substandard. And I thought we, we deserve more than that. We are better than that. And if it's not there, let's create our own. And I think that traditionally that like, social entrepreneurship has been viewed as something for highly educated others. And some of our guys have said, maybe that's not for people like me. I think this whole, um, I'm going a bit off random now, but this whole culture now of valuing lived experience leaders, it just couldn't come any sooner. We've been talking about this since 2013, 2014. And we, at first we were just, oh, othered. We were like, oh, they're just, they're ranting, they're angry. You know, you get called angry when you're working class and you don't speak how other people speak, or maybe you don't look how other people look. Oh, they're just angry. They're being too vocal and they will shut you down. I really see this a lot when it comes to race as well. I, I'm getting to understand it when people talk about I get shut down because of, you know, um, I get told I'm angry. No, you're not angry. You're vocal. And you've got experience and you can speak on the subject, right? So you're speaking with passion. So, yeah, we experienced all of that, Pam, when, when we started and when we was building. So it was really important that our guys took ownership of what we created. And I knew quite a bit. I knew how to engage the community. I knew certain stuff in social enterprise, but I knew I didn't know everything. And I think that to be honest, that's a bit of fresh air in Tower Hamlets uh, because you've got a lot of people claiming to be the expert on absolutely everything. But I also knew that I was a good networker and I knew I'd do some fantastic people that did know literally everything, right? So we pulled those experts together. We've had some brilliant supporters. We've had some people coming in delivering some fantastic sessions. And what, what happens is we created a programme you know, you can moan about Lisa being a bit gobby, being a bit East End, being a bit vocal, but you cannot, when you've got those experts in front of you delivering expert sessions, you can't underestimate the impact that that makes. So that's what we, that's how it come about. And I mean, 
we we pulled that together and we just we'd done that and it was we built it up and I say we because it very much is a, a we effort I couldn't do the work without the community I couldn't do the work you know without the young people I was so I was so proud last night I just looked back at a workshop we was running it was last night from 6 to 8 30 and I said then I watched our team and though they were the team that was part of our first cohort delivering that and it's like I wasn't even needed and it felt so bloody good you know I wasn't needed and it was they were just needing it and they were they really knew what they were talking about they was delivering it I just thought wow that's sustainability for me and yeah that's how it come into being and that was the vision it's more than the vision I had because it's, it's them by us for us all of us. So you are a Cambridge Social Innovation Prize winner 2021. Congratulations. What was it like finding out that you had won the prize, the £10,000 prize that allows you to, or gives you the opportunity to further educate yourself, to further improve your leadership skills, to just basically to, to, to spend time on you? Well, to be honest, I was really shocked and surprised. A couple of people said to me, oh, you never win that, don't worry about it. And, and I wasn't looking to win it. I wanted to, I'll be really honest, I wanted to test the water. Like they say, you can't complain about something till you jump in the puddle. You can't complain about getting wet till you jump in the puddle. So I jumped in the puddle, right? And yeah, I won. And it was it, it was quite a shock. At first, I didn't quite know how to take it. It was quite a shock. For me, it's not it's not the money. Yeah, the money's great. And that will help some uh, personal development for me. But it's the recognition, it's the recognition in the programs and the work we've all done collectively. I don't see it as a prize for me. It's a prize for all of us, for my community, for our young people, for our entrepreneurs, all of us. I think that what it's saying to them is it doesn't matter where you're from, put in the work, do something different, stick at it, stay true to your values. Because along the way, Pam, it's been really tough. We have been shut out. We have been blocked out. We've been starved of funding. We've been, you know, they've tried to silence us because we've spoken up on a lot of issues. Um, In 2014-15, we spoke up on, on racism issues and it meant we walked away from a big, like contracts, a secure setting. We walked away from that and we had nothing. And um, we rebranded to Social Arc because we was all on this arc, this journey. And so for me, this prize is validation for our young people, for our community, who's always loved us, right? The community, our community, our cohorts, our people, our Social Arc family and all the people around us loved us. So to me, this prize is validation for all of us, for them, for, for our young people, for our communities to say that, you know, you believe in something, stick to your values, stick to your values, don't budge, even though it's really, really painful sometimes, or it's so painful, you will lose, lose sleep over it sometimes, but just stick to it and it will come. So to me, that's validation. You say the money wasn't the primary driving force behind applying for the prize to see how far you could get, but how will that £10,000 help you? I'm probably going to spend it on some personal development, some coaching, maybe upskilling in some different areas. It might be to improve my education. I haven't really decided yet um, exactly what I'm going to spend it on, but it will be spent in that direction. And what is next for social art? think that what's next everyone I think when we talk about what's next everyone talks about the five-year plan the three-year plan and where they want to be I think it's really important for us to sort out our own backyard first right sort out 
what we've got to do across our working class communities, not just to survive, but actually thrive. Um, and we're just going through a pandemic and we've, we're coming out the other end of it. And we, our COVID's probably going to be there for quite some time. I think we've still got a lot of work to do across East London. I think we've done a lot of work, but with, there's, there's a mountain to climb. So I think what's next for social art is sorting our, our own communities out first, making sure that everyone who wants to thrive within them is able to do that and is supported to do that. And not from a tokenistic view, but from empowering lived experience leaders and respecting them. So you're, wow, you're the lived experience leader. Like, you know what's best. We really need to change that, that them and us culture where we're being looked down on for being perhaps not as educated or as privileged and, and stuff like that. So until that is in a strong place, I don't think we can think about moving on. We have been approached by people in other countries, Saudi Arabia, Norway, Tunisia, but it's really important to get our own backyard sorted and then think about moving on. I think eventually I'd really like to get our, our tools, support systems and structures in an in a accessible format that other community groups across the UK could use, other working class community groups across the UK to, that they could use and just tap into because our stuff is relatable, easy to understand language, it's impactful, we simplify things, not because people are less educated, because we know funders don't want to read 10 pages of jargon. If you can get that on one page and it's clear, articulate and to the point, that's what they want. And that our tools and support systems are like that. Problem, solution, result, and, and that's it. That's how we operate. So um, eventually, if we can get some backing to do it, I'd like to get the tools and support to be able to get in an accessible format for everyone. That was Lisa Stepanovich, founder and CEO of Social Arc and winner of the third annual Cambridge Social Innovation Prize awarded by Trinity Hall and the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. You can find out more about the work we do by following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter and YouTube.